Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Greenwood and Mullen, the show here on Newcastle Fans TV. It's the podcast that's celebrating its 50th show. Who would have thought? Da, 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 da. 50 shows of the Greenwood and Mullen, the show. A little idea that Sam Mullen thought of just over a year ago has now got 50 episodes. And if you said some of the names that we had got, including today's guest, I think our minds would have been completely blown out of the water, uh, Sam. So you must yeah. be really proud. I am. As you said, it was it was a little idea I had a while ago because I thought, well, you were the most presentary one and can hold it all together, whereas I'm just I, – I couldn't carry it. I'm more about vibing it, which isn't always the best. Um, and you, I always wanted to do a show with you, Johnny, anyway, because I've told you this before. From the moment I joined NFTV, I was I was impressed with with you. So, um, but I have to say, on on episode, I think it was episode eight when we had Ramsey on, and you said you wanted to get to fifty. I thought you were crazy slash mental slash a bit thick. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! Come but, on, but. Well, I just because like I think of these things, and you think 50, 50 different people to come on and talk to us. That's so difficult. I like I've put more effort into that than I do uh, my day job. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's crazy, but I'm very, very proud. We we are both immensely proud. Um, you know, fifty episodes is a hell of a hell of achievement, and you know we've spoken to some very instrumental faces in regards to the Northeast and Newcastle United. You know, people that people admire greatly. And a man who a lot of Newcastle fans admire, in particular of a certain era and a certain age, um, is a man that we've managed to speak to. And Sam, this is a man who scored 50 goals, ironically, on our 50th episode for Newcastle United. We've had this planned for ages. Let's uh, try and get this, uh, to get Sir Les Ferdinand on our little show um, for the 50th episode. And look, one of the main reasons, again, um, like he's been on the ch- uh, channel before, um, on NFTV before, to surprise Lee during lockdown one, because Lee's his hero. Me and Lee started supporting Newcastle at the same sort of time, and Les was a huge, huge part of that team. And what a player. What a player. Um, so much love and respect for him. So um, to get to... To speak to him again is an absolute honour. It is an honour, and he was he was a real gentleman as well. Um, you know, a man who a, a man who was synonymous with Newcastle, and that was probably his best. You know, he's he's Queens Park Rangers director of football, and he's absolutely adored at every club he played for. But for Newcastle, you know, it's not it's not in London; it's in its old goldfish ball. And the impact he had in the two seasons he was there um, is is quite remarkable, really. And He's played with some fantastic players, and he was in particular the 95 96 season where Newcastle have never really been as close to winning a Premier League title. I know they finished second the season after. He was leading the line, he was instrumental, he was the one that was scoring the goals, he was the one that was getting the headlines. And to speak to him for you know 20 minutes is an absolute honour, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, um, you just made me think now you get some players in football, and one springs to mind where. The clubs he's played for, the fans of all them clubs don't have a nice thing to say about him. I'm on about Michael Owen. And then you get players like Les Ferdinand, who wherever he's gone, wherever he's played, everyone loves him because of the way he played, the way he carries himself, and the way he is. He's, it, oh, it's just 
one of the greatest. And Newcastle United Hall of Famer. It's a matter of time before he makes the Premier League Hall of Fame. He's just a legend in every sense. And let's not forget, a busy, busy man, because he is um, director of football at QPR. So, um, yeah. So giving us a little bit of time for our little show. We're more than grateful. More than grateful. I have to briefly mention a massive thank you to Beer52. Beer52.com forward slash NFTV have been our sponsor for the 50 shows. And we are absolutely delighted that they've been on board. You can get eight cans for any beer, IPA, stout or lager for £5.95, which is um, an absolute bargain. So please, please get on to beer52.com forward slash NFTV. Well, I think it's about time we get the 50th show on the road. So it's my great pleasure to say that the Green and Morning Show's 50th episode is with Sir Les Ferdinand. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Greenwood and Milner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV alongside myself, Jonathan Greenwood, and my co-host, Sam Miller. We are joined by a Newcastle United Hall of Famer, a man who scored 50 goals for Newcastle United in the famous number nine shirt. It is, of course, Les, or Sir Les Ferdinand. Sir Les, welcome to the show. Yeah, good afternoon, chaps. How are you doing? I was going to say, am I right in thinking, Les, that the name Sir Les wasn't actually adopted by the Newcastle fans, it was actually adopted by Queen's Park Rangers fans? Yeah, that's correct. Started there. Um, followed me to uh, Bekiktas in Turkey. Um, and then when I came up to the northeast, it carried on. Um, let me tell you, I've been called a lot worse. In, in... <laughs> That's one name that I've adopted. And I've... Yeah, well, now, if anyone asks, then then no, it's Newcastle fans came up with that. We've not got much to latch on to these days. But before you signed, when you did... You could have. You had the chance to sign for Newcastle earlier on when we first got promoted to the Premier League. I read today um, that would have had the prospect of you playing alongside Andy Cole instead of replacing him. Is that right? If that's the case, it was not. I I didn't know anything about that. If that if that's the case, really? I'd never been informed. I'd never been told that they tried to find me before. I knew that um, kick been in a while, but. Really? I'm, I'm, like I say, that's what I got as well, so I'm a bit surprised about that as well. But when you first arrived at Newcastle, Les, what was it like? What did Kevin Keegan do to sell the football club to you? Well, it was, before, it was actually before I arrived. Um, I At the end of the season, 95 season, I went to uh, I went to meet, I think Aston Villa had been uh, to, to take me in. I went to speak to them. Um, they were the first club I spoke to. Um, and, and that was only because I'd... Uh, been on an end of season tour in Barbados with QPR and Doug Ellis was there with the Aston Villa team and he said oh we got first refusal on you and I went what does that mean and he said well basically if we we bid the asking price we get to speak to you and I said okay well if that's the case that's the case so I went to speak to Doug Ellis first and um, had a conversation with him but on my way to to meet Doug um, Kevin Keegan called my agent and said would Les do do me the pleasure of having a chat before he makes a decision so I said, yeah, of course, I, I promised him I'd do that. Um, sat in Doug Ellis's office for a couple of hours and then left there and went to meet um, Kevin Keegan um, down in London. Uh, also, I should say Hertfordshire. It was on the outskirts of Hertfordshire. Spent about 10 minutes talking to him and decided that, you know, that's where I wanted to go. So how... how- Tougher decision was it? Because I'm assuming you would have seen the scenes up outside St James's Park when Andy Cole left, mm-hmm. which was just sheer anarchy. If that ever happened nowadays, I don't know what would happen. But how how tough a decision was it? Was it a case of 
you were banged up for the challenge and, and you thought it was a club going places rather than Aston Villa who are just rubbish. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, at the time, I mean, you know, Aston Villa is a massive football club. Um, but at the time, QBR had finished I them in them in the league in the last couple of seasons. So for me, it was it was that would have been more a sideward step than it would have been um an upward step. So um, you know, when when Key and Cameron spoke to me and I'd already seen what Newcastle had been doing in the in the Premier League, um, I was really excited because I knew it was a club that was going places or trying to go places anyway, and um, I wanted to be part of that. So it, it wasn't it wasn't a hard sell, you know. We uh, I played up there with uh, QPR previous season. We managed to to, to win two one. I remember going into the changing rooms at the end of the game and said saying to the boys, "Imagine playing in front of that week in week out." And then you know all of a sudden I was talking to Kevin Keegan about making that dream a, a reality. You obviously have seen just David Ginola um, in one of our pictures there. He must have been a striker's dream, along, and obviously Keith Gillespie as well. Was the, was it the memo from Kevin Keegan, just give him the ball and he will do the rest? Was it as simple as that almost? I mean, it got to a stage where it was it was that, just give him the ball and, and you know, as soon as the ball went out to him, as soon as the ball went out to Keith Gillespie, my, my you know, my portal call was the 18-yard box because I knew something was coming in and if I could throw myself at it, I'd have a chance of scoring a goal. I mean, I make no secret when um, where we do the like the reviews on the channel and, and look at like the team nowadays. But whenever your name crops up, Les, I always said you're the best header of a ball I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, why? <laughs> How is it? Is it just, was it just a natural gift, or is it something you really had to work on? The Sango really had to work on it. It was really strange. It was when I was. When I was a young, when I was a young player, I say young player. When I when I came out of non-league football into into QBR, I was you know, I was playing with reserves, reserve team football, and I always remember one of the coaches. Something happened, and the ball came in. And one of the boys went to head it, and they didn't head it in the correct way. And uh, one of the coaches went, "It's okay, um, young black boys don't head the ball. Black players don't like heading the ball." So I was like, "Okay, I'm going to prove you wrong." And so I, I stayed out there day after day after day. My head was sore. I, I had the mitre at the time sign across my head. <laughs> um, also, I'm hoping it doesn't do me any damage uh, going forward. But um, no, it was it was just something I worked on, and um, and then obviously the, the 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 jump was something that the timing of the jump was something I worked on because I was a lot shorter than sort of like some of the centre halves that I was playing against. So I worked to be able to get um, that season. Of course, everybody remembers Newcastle and Manchester United battling it out for the title. Um, obviously, we're not going to talk about the end because no one really wants to talk about the end of it. But when you obviously get them to maybe February, March, what was the, the message? Was it just just keep doing what you're doing? Obviously, Peter Beatty, who was very instrumental that season as well, he was obviously such an instrumental player. Did they have more experienced players to say, look, just take it one game at a time and let's just see where we end up? No. Um, and, and probably that... that... Looking back on it, when we when we lost, we were we were twelve points clear with a game in hand. And when we lost that first game, I, I always say, you know, there wasn't a feeling of, oh, damn, we've lost we've lost three points here. It was just like, quite blase about it. We've lost three points, but we've got a game in hand. We win we win the, the the game in hand. We're back to twelve points. And if we carry on winning the games in the way that we're winning, we'll have the season wrapped up by. You know, what I mean, it, it wasn't. Um, those three points that the first three points we lost should have been a disaster and they wasn't because we felt so comfortable and felt we were so far in, in the lead and as we know that whittled out in, in, in the space of a week, two days, you know. 
obviously around that time you were banging in goals for fun as well. And and as we speak, there's a there's a little international tournament going on. Um, and comparing that to uh, to back in the day, there was obviously ridiculous wealth of English strikers around, crazy. But you were kind of still top of the tree in the Premier League, scoring God knows how many goals. Do you not feel like you should have been a bit more prominent in the England setup? Yeah, I just I felt like listen, I'd, I'd known that the manager had kind of made it clear that Alan Shearer was going to be his number one choice, and so you can't really get accepted that, but. Coming off the back of the season, that I, had, I thought I would get some game time, at least some game time. I was saying I started, I started and started scoring, and, and and you know went on to be tournaments top goal scorer. But I felt at least, uh, getting game time, it, the way I'd come off, you know, PFA Player of the Year and everything else, and you know I was feeling, feeling good about myself. Uh, you know, although we hadn't won the league um, in terms of goal scoring and what I felt I was doing, I was feeling good about myself. And then not to get a minute, so. Um, uh, game time was um, probably my, probably my, one of the most disappointing parts of my career. That's an absolute travesty. Absolute travesty. You should have got some minutes for sure. Um, what was it like playing in front of the St. James's Park faithful? Because as an outsider who would love to be wearing the black and white, and of course Sam would be as well, we're insanely jealous of that fact. And what was it like when the ball hits the back of the net and you could just hear the roar from the, the northeast faithful? It's funny, I was, at, I was at a charity dinner last uh, Thursday. Uh, someone was asking me the question. He said, "What's what's what's the favourite the favourite goal you've ever scored?" I said, "It's always difficult because I think there's different different goals for different occasions where you can't like something happens when you score that goal." And I always say, like, um, you know, I, you know, I scored a thirty yarder at, uh, at Loftus Road against Man United, which was nice. <laughs> the goals I always remembered. I was um, the first goal I scored against Coventry, and I always didn't play particularly well in the game. But I got an opportunity in, in, in the second half and um, I managed to score. You know, up until then, I knew how much uh, the number nine should be in Newcastle, but I didn't realise how much until the ball hit the back of the net that opening day. Of the, and the people nearly took the roof off the, off the, off the stadium, the, the part of the roof that was left on the stadium nearly come off. And it's one of the things that really stands out in my mind. Um, Two, two, two poignant points that happened at, at Newcastle. That was one of them. Scoring that first goal, just realised how much it meant. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I still have the video somewhere in the loft now. With them. <laughs> but um, you mentioned the number nine. There, we all know the stories about what happened with the number nine shirt in the in the summer of '96. But I, I actually, um, I DM'd Alan the other day to and asked him. Out of all of his strike partners, where do you stack up, Les? And his answer was pretty simple. Uh, the typical Alan Shearer, he says, "We scored forty-nine goals in one season together. What, what more do you want?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what was it like, and how? It, it, it's the biggest crime in football history that you guys only had one season together. But to score forty-nine goals and to click instantly, these partnerships sometimes take an age to, to develop. Why did you click and gel so quick, and why were you so successful together? I think because we we both wanted the same thing. We wanted Newcastle United to be successful. Um, I was never I was never jealous of Alan in any way, and, and, and Alan was never jealous of me. It was about the football club, it was about the football team, about what we were playing for, and what we wanted to achieve. So, you know, we used to stand in the centre circle before before kick off and say, "Come on, should we go and terrorise them today?" 
you know, just knowing that one of us was going to score and, you know, to have that faith in, in, in your strike partner. Um, you know, I, you know, I say to people, I've been fortunate. I play with a lot of very good strikers. But yeah, Alan would be top of the tree. You know, you just have to look at the goals and, and the way that he played uh, and the partnership we had. And, you know, unfortunately, that partnership came, came around for me at the wrong time because, you know, Lots of people jump on the bandwagon of what Terry Venables had said and said, oh, look, they're both similar, they can't play together. And I always remember when Keegan signed Alan, he said to me, look, I'm not trying to prove anybody wrong here. I just really think um, best in this country. I've got no doubt can play together. And, and I think anything you want and you want it hard, you know, you want it hard enough, um, you can work at making it what you want it to be. And that's exactly what we did. I can just I can just obviously relive the, the five nil Manchester United game in particular where you absolutely terrorised obviously the team that won the league the year before and um, the famous you know words you've just seen the team that have won the league and I know that it wasn't the team that we wanted but it's still that that moment yeah. you scoring that header yeah. and obviously then Alan scoring later on in the Albert goal well, just it just goosebumps but um, Kevin leaving and then obviously Newcastle finishing second uh, again obviously talk about just leave at the end of that season was it a wrench to leave less or did you want to stay on a little bit further yeah I mean I think everyone knows and you know I made it pretty clear at the time I didn't want to leave the, the football club um, I was told that the, the club needed to raise funds and you know my name was one that was being banded about and blah 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 and so on and so forth and I said look you, you guys are in the driving seat and you know I always remember like when I was leaving my agent turned around and said to one of the board members you know he doesn't want to leave this football club and that person's like, you don't always get what you want in life. And I thought to myself, I've been there two years, 50 goals in a period of time, and that's the response you're going to give. So when that happened, I, um, you know, we all remember the story of Alan getting injured. And when I was, when I was told Alan got injured and, you know, they wanted to call me back, I just, I just remembered that through my mind all the time. You don't always get what you want in your life, and, and you know at the time I probably I probably made the wrong decision in my footballing career, and I, it was probably I made a decision out of pride rather than out of what was right for my footballing career. If if, if I'd have done the right thing for my football career, I probably would have gone back, but I just had that ringing in my ear and something about it just didn't didn't sit right with me. You know? And um, and that was that was why I, I didn't end up coming back. So. It was down to the board and not Kenny, because I always thought like a misconception was that it was Kenny's decision, being the manager, to to get rid of you. Because I always still have nightmares now in the middle of the night. I go, "Don't do it, Kenny." But it, it, but it wasn't it wasn't Daglish at all. It was it was the powers that be. Listen, the the, the powers that be. When I when when Kevin uh, was was there, Kevin had said to me, "Look, they needed to raise six million." He said, and um, at the time. He knew that there were certain uh, clubs out there that were willing to pay that six million for me, but he said, as far as he's concerned, I wasn't going anywhere. Now, same uh, uh, question would have been put, put poised to to Doug Leaf, and he would they would have said, "Look, we need to raise six million. Uh, we know we have got offers for Les, and if he just said no, Les ain't going anywhere, then I don't think I would have gone anywhere." So he must have, you know, I'm not saying Kenny, because listen, to be fair, when I when I left Maiden Castle. Um, I picked my boots up and I was I was I was going down to, to London for my medical, and he called me in the office before I left. I left and he said to me, "I hope you failed the medical." Like that is what, what he said to me. Like, like, fair enough. 
But well, I always felt that you know, if, if, if the manager of a club like Newcastle says you're definitely not selling him, then the ball's over. Right exactly. And just finally, Les, um, Hall of Famer, to mm. have that honour. It, it must be. You must feel so proud to when you see the list of Newcastle names that have, uh, have been inducted to the Hall of Fame, and, and you're one of the very special Newcastle players that have joined this illustrious group. It must fill you with so so much pleasure. You know, so I'm, I'm so proud. I'm, and, and you know, I went there and kind of like knew where I was going. Didn't know what to expect, but knew where I was going, and I loved every single minute of it. And and to now be to be inducted in the Hall of Fame alongside some of the great players that you, you, you just, you know, you just talked about and I, I know about. Um, and when I think I was only there for two years, uh, that, that that fills me with pride because everywhere I've gone, I've always wanted to give them my best. And uh, and for people to turn around and say, yeah, while he was here, he gave him his best. And, you know, to be inducted, like I said, after being there just two years, is feels really special. If only you'd have failed that medical. <laughs> did you not just just very 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 briefly just to finish up? Um, did you not look back on the season after after you you went and obviously Tino getting a hat trick against Barcelona playing in the Champions League? Did did you not watch on and think I, I actually maybe should have failed the medical? Yeah, nah, of course. You know, you you got to two FA Cup finals. You know, I look back on it and thought that you know we you know we I knew that team was going play. Wanted to be, I wanted to be part of it, but you can only be part of it if you're wanted to be part of it, you know. And I didn't want to be there and not and feel I was there. What's the word I'm looking for? Out of necessity, rather than being there because of what I'd, what I'd done, you know. And and, that's, and like I said, sometimes you make you make mistakes in life, and that was probably one of my biggest in football. Well, I think everybody would be greatly appreciated that you did so much for the club when you were at, at Newcastle, Les, because I think everybody remembers the goals you scored in those two wonderful seasons that you were at Newcastle. But Les, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Green and Mall on the show. It's actually our 50th show. So to have you on a man who scored 50 goals for Newcastle, it just seems quite right. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you for having me on, Chaps. No problem. So from myself, Jonathan Green with Sam Milnett. And of course, Sir Les Ferdinand. We'll see you all very soon. And that was Sir Les Ferdinand talking to me and Sam on the 50th episode of the Greenwood Mourner Show. Bosh. Now that was explosive. There were some big, big talking points, even in such a short amount of time. And Sam, I think one thing that he put to bed straight away is that he couldn't have come to Newcastle earlier. He didn't know anything of that, which, like I say, with my research and a little bit of your research as well, we both got the same story that he could have came to Newcastle earlier. But by God, we were so happy when he did arrive. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I took from that the most is that we clearly use the same websites for our research. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, a very intense 17 minutes, like in a really good way. we got a lot in there because we knew we had such a, a short period of time to to work with. Like as I say, he's director of football at QPR. They've just it's preseason. They've just, he's director of football. He's obviously trying to sign players. He's on his way to a meeting now. Um, so for him to to fit us in is is is, is amazing. Um, yeah, what a player! What what a player! Like I told him in the thing, he's the best header of a football I've ever seen. Sam, why, why 
was he so good in that era? For people that didn't watch Les Ferdinand in his prime, when you look at the array of strikers he was up against, and he was such a good striker, if you look at him now, he was Les Ferdinand's 2021 now. Would he start in front of Harry Kane? Was he that good? Ooh, um, hard to know, but imagine them two up front together. It, it, it's, it's an odd one because you look back, and again, like I told him, you had so many strikers of real quality. And it wasn't just him that didn't get a look in the England setup either. Because obviously, you had Shearer, who's head and shoulders above the belt, the greatest of, you know, greatest of great. The best striker I'll, I'll probably ever see. Well, the, the best striker we'll ever see play for Newcastle, barring, you know, trillions of pounds. And the thing is, like, you had guys like Les, Andy Cole, Robbie Fowler. They couldn't get a look in. Um, Les was... He could do it all. He could do it all. He could play on the shoulder. You put a ball in in the box, he's going to win the header. Because, I mean, he's only... I think he's 5'11". Yeah. Um, the same website that we, we use for our research. Um, so he's not... By any stretch of the amount, it's not short. He's he's, he's not Lou Lawler short, but he's 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 still not huge. Um, and to be that good in the air, like he says, he needed to work on it. He was absolutely immense. If you look nowadays, how would you compare him? I don't really think there's a. Who is the modern day Les Ferdinand? Or are they are, are they out of fashion? Which is a crime to say, isn't it? Possibly. Well, who do you think would, is the best striker in the air at the moment? That's a very, very good question. Because if you look at English players, you look at Harry Kane, but I don't think he's that sort of player. Yes, they're both, both number nines, but very, very different. It, it's very, very... Uh, I don't know, to be honest. It's a really, really good question. I, Les Ferdinand was probably one of his own in that sense. But the amount of goals he scored for Newcastle in those two seasons, Sam, 50 goals for Newcastle in 84 games that's more than that's less than one and two that's an incredible amount of goals and and you know he, he does put to bed the rumour that you ask him about Kenny Daglish was it Daglish that wanted to sell you or was it the club and you have to be honest it was more the club I don't think Kenny Daglish said I want you to go Les I think it was quite the opposite when you when he spoke to us that's the thing like you look back um, obviously we look back at them owners so favourably um, but they weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. They are compared to where we are now, and and you'd rather have them than Mark Ashley, obviously, but they weren't perfect. Um, mistakes did happen, clearly. And thinking about the numbers that you just said, those goal stats, and I think about um, his early days at QPR and playing off the shoulder, because he wasn't, he wasn't slow either. Um I suppose you, he's like a cross between Callum Wilson and Harry Kane, you know. That's probably not a bad way to look at it for our younger viewers, um, or our younger listeners rather, on, the, on this podcast, because he had he has that he has that grit and determination. And the, you know, the thing is, with those two players, they want to score goals. They don't they don't care about being a team player. You know, everyone talks about Harry Kane; he hasn't won anything like major like major honours, but he always wins the Golden Boot. He always gets twenty goals plus a season, and it'll be a, it'll be a shame as a Newcastle fan, but he probably will break Shearer's record. But 
No way. That is, I, I think he will. I think he will. No I think if, if he no goes way. to Man City. I, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> I hope not. I, I will not let not. that happen. I let him. I let him score two hundred and fifty-nine no. goals. He's that's going, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in all seriousness, um, one thing that we we didn't come across uh, up to, didn't ask Les. Um, he could have actually signed for Manchester United six months before he signed for Newcastle. The deal. Where have we heard well, that before? The deal wasn't nearly done, but from what I've seen in other platforms, Ray Wilkins, uh, God rest his soul, obviously Queens Park Rangers manager. He said he would be Queen's Park Rangers manager as long as Les Ferdinand wasn't sold. And there's a, there's, a, there's a line that Les uses when he was talking about his departure for Newcastle is that everybody doesn't get what they want in life. And, you know, Les didn't get that move to Manchester United, but he got the move to Newcastle. It just seemed for some, for whatever reason, Sam, that him and Andy Cole were never, ever going to play for the same club team. No, like I was saying to you before we started, like um, I'm like unfounded now that um, he had the chance to sign for us when we got promoted, and I said to you like he could have played up front with Andy Cole and with Peter Beardsley behind. That's just filth, X-rated, unadulterated filth, um, and yeah, they, they it's just so like they never played up front together for England either. Um, he played up front with Shearer for England. I seem to remember in a World Cup qualifier against Poland. Uh, I think England won two nil or two one. Shearer scored in both. I rem- if I remember rightly, going back a bit now, mind. But like, like even in the one season he had with with Shearer at Newcastle, forty nine goals. Like f- for a partnership, a one season only partnership. 49 goals between them. Like, I'm, I seem to remember Shearer had a couple of knocks that season as well. I think he was injured and he was out for a few weeks or a month after the 5-0 Man United game. So it's not like they played 38 Premier League games together. It's just, just ridiculous. Just imagine if we had even like half of that now. Well, I think Callum Wilson's a very, very good striker. We just need another one of Callum Wilson, probably just to match the match Les Ferdinand. That's probably where we're at at Newcastle. Yeah, but both of them would have to get twenty-five goals in essence. Yeah, that, and that's and that's very, very difficult, especially um, on, on the current days. Uh, current like day strikers, Kane and Salah up front. That would be good. Imagine them in black and white. That'd be mint. Um, but his partnership with Shearer. And obviously, you talk about the 49 goals. We, we, we would love that. Um, and they were managed by Kevin Keegan just for six months together. And Kevin was instrumental in bringing Les to St. James's Park. Um, I, 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 he basically said the deal was done when they were in London together, talking about the move. And I like the fact that he never really had to sell it for Les. He was like, Do you know what? I'm going to coach to Newcastle. Typical Kevin Keegan. How many times have we heard that with players, though? How many times have we heard about players speaking to Kevin Keegan and then that's it, done, finished? Warren Barton said the same to us. I mean, Alan Shearer tells a similar story. Um, and with that one especially, like you've got to, he's outdone Sir Alex Ferguson there as well. So it just goes to show just how awe-inspiring Kevin Keegan can be to, to a new a new player. Makes me think that Newcastle nearly got Modric because of that as well back in the day, and Keegan's second stint. But that, that's very much an issue for another day. But yeah, 
Les Kane. I'm just thinking he's only here two years as well. That's just such it's a travesty in some ways, but what a two years they were. And to think he's 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 a Newcastle United legend and he's done all of that. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. And he was there for two seasons. Two. Henry Saive's been here for <laughs> four and a half, five and a half years. So there's a Hall of Famer in two seasons. Remarkable. You wouldn't get that now. He's always been adored for every time he comes back to the northeast. So I was going, I'd love to have mentioned Alan Shearer's testimonial. And when even when he came back as a Spurs player, uh Leicester, West Ham. When he's played for those clubs and he's coming back, he's always had a fantastic reception from the St James's Park fame. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is, if you if you go on YouTube and look at the video we did when we surprised Lee in lockdown, what we do touch about on the share of testimonial because Celeste won the penalty, scored as well, didn't he? Yeah, it was a Stonewall pen. Oh, Stonewall! Clattenburg had no choice but to give the pen, um, and famous story of. Um, uh, Henry Winter told me actually um, that afterwards, after the game, the, the obviously the party went on quite late in the night in Shearer's bar, and uh, Celez was on the DJ decks all night. So uh, yeah, he always fancied himself as a bit of a DJ, apparently. So yeah, I'd love to have seen that. that on YouTube. I'd love to have seen that. I think that'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, what is your favourite Les Ferdinand goal? Because mine's the Man United header because it's the the goal that I see so many times but for someone that probably saw more of Les Ferdinand whilst falling in love with Newcastle what is your favourite goal Mr Milner? It's tricky because my like, as I've said before my, my favourite goals are like because of moments in my life so um, my favourite goal isn't necessarily his best goal if you know what I mean um, I, don't know, I think I'd like a header against Aston Villa and um, like when he when he'd be put through on goal, you just know what he's gonna do, and you, you like the opposition still couldn't do anything about it. They know what he's gonna do, but you couldn't do anything about it. So um, that's a sign of a good striker. But yeah, I like I like the goal against Villa. Um, loads the, the, like the header against Man United, like like you said, Ferdinand off the bar round in. But um, not Martin Tyler commentary. Um, it's three yeah. nil now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Look at Shearer doing that to him. Yeah. Oh, what a time to be alive, eh? Um, yeah. If we get even half of that atmosphere and vibe back at, at Newcastle, oh god, it'd just be immense because kids don't know just what they've missed out on these young Newcastle fans, and I feel sorry for them. They don't know what it's like to see a Les Ferdinand uh, and Alan Shearer in his pomp, um, his, uh, David Ginola and uh, Philip Albert. Um, yeah, it's uh, David Batty. Jesus, how many times? How many red cards would David Batty pick up nowadays? Mm-hmm. Yeah, be, uh, it's too many games you'd be banned for. Too many games, but um, I, I like the fact that you wanted to always score. You always wanted to get on the score sheet, and you wanted to obliterate defenses. And you know, with Newcastle, it's normally been it's normally just one up front and hope for the best a little bit. Last in the last two or three seasons at, at, at Newcastle, I love the I just love that I love that many users because it's like he, that was I know that was his job, but he wasn't satisfied if he hadn't done that. I know that sounds it might sound strange 
Tell me if it is sound if it does sound strange, Sam. But uh, no, but like like you said there, um, when him uh, him and Alan Shearer used to say to each other, "Come on, let's terrorise them." If you heard that in the tunnel as an opposition player, you'd be like, "Oh shit, <laughs> they're in the mood today." Oh, that'll just be absolutely terrifying seeing them two. And then with Beardsley, Ginola, Rob Lee behind them, you just think, oh, what's the point? So, but yeah, the strikers, they've got to be selfish. They're not interested in, like, especially that that um, that school of strikers. They're not interested in fancy flicks and stepovers and amazing skills and appearing on soccer and montages. They're interested in scoring goals, and that is it. Yeah. 50 goals in 84 games. In his first season in the Premier League at Newcastle, 25 goals in 37 games. 16 goals in 31 games the following season. So that's 41 goals in the Premier League in 68 games. 41 goals in 68 games in the Premier League and obviously the other, the other nine are in, in cup competitions. Um, that is absolutely remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And without Ferdinand's goals in that second season... Tino Aspira wouldn't be scoring a hatchet against Barcelona, Samuel. Exactly. Exactly. If only he'd, uh, if only he'd stayed. Um, the Kenny year was a strange one, isn't it? Because you look back at Kenny and you think, well, he disbanded the entertainers, or the powers that be maybe even disbanded the entertainers. But then you think, oh, Barcelona win, FA Cup final. And he bought yeah. like... like uh, Nobby Solano, Gary Speed, and Shea Given. Was John Dahl Thomas in one of his, or was that Hullock? Yeah, yeah, John Dahl was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, I always use a comparison with like Joe Linton because, like, John Dahl Thomason was a bit like that. He was a bit naff. Well, he was terrible. He, 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 was, he was terrible for, for Newcastle on a whole. And then he goes to AC Milan and wins the Champions League, as you do. So you never know. Joe Linton might go to AC Milan and win the Champions League. <laughs> I'm not convinced of that. I'm just not convinced of that. <laughs> it was, um, though. But... With John Dahl, it was like, um, Shearer said it best, right club, wrong time. 100%. Um, just a measure of the man is Sir Les, um, my, man, well, well, my main manager, my boss at, um, at work, for where I work out, has just recently lost his dad. Um, and I asked, I've asked Les to, to send a message, which he's very kindly done. So, and you know, just on behalf of um, you know myself in regards to that, I'm very, very you know over the moon with that because you know sometimes you can ask a footballer something like this, or you can ask a famous person something like this, and the you know they just they'll just ignore it. So for him to do that, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Um, just before we finish, Sam, we've done 50 episodes. And I know we touched a little bit on it in the intro, but can we do another 50? <laughs> That's the aim. I, and I think because, like, I wanted to get to 50 personally without having, like, the same guests on. But um, there are certain things, like, um, in some episodes, I'm not going to name names in case they don't come back on, but, like, there's some ones that we want to revisit and expand a bit more, isn't there? So so we can do that. Um, and that is the aim now to get to 100 could you imagine in 50 episodes time, whenever that is, you know, because I, I have my little aim is to try and see if we can get a hundred, but we might have to do more by actually going to places, maybe going to Newcastle, maybe even go to like London just to do a couple of shows because that's, that's where people are. You. 
It's a trailer for you, to be honest. If I can get the train. <laughs> I can get the train. We do have trains in the Midlands. Oh, there you go. Probably be about the same amount of time, no one, no one are, look, to be fair. We probably, I could, there's no point in me going to four hours to Birmingham to then go in another two hours to London and get there in three hours. If I, if I pay the exp- to go on the expensive train and not the slow train, I can get to London in, in just over an hour. Do you know what I think we should do? I think we should ask, uh, you know, someone like a, a guy who runs a fan channel and see if he'll cover the expenses with all this YouTube money that we've been getting in over the last year. We agree with him all the shows with uh, some fantastic guests. I don't know, it might be, it might be an idea we could uh, we could discuss, Sam. Good luck with that. <laughs> I'll leave that to you. You're more diplomatic than me. <laughs> um, I can imagine one of the first words you'll say will be off. So um, we'll see how that conversation goes. But no, a big thanks to Lee as well, because obviously... Yes, we've done 50 episodes, and it is the Greenwood and Mulner show. But Lee does his little bit. Fans TV. Exactly. We don't have Newcastle Fans TV. We don't have a Greenwood and Mulner show. And we certainly don't have 50 Greenwood and Mulner shows. Exactly. So, yeah, I think this is where we're going to end it. Um, it's been a fantastic 50 episodes. And, again, to speak to a former Newcastle number nine in his prime, scoring goals for Newcastle in the Gallagher. That'll do for us. That'll do for us. So for myself, Jonathan Gere and Sam Mulner, we'll see you all very soon.